Hey everyone, this is Steve Bowes. Today's HR Happy Hour show was recorded live at the OC Tanner Influence Greatness event in September out at Snowbird, Utah. I want to thank OC Tanner so much for being a supporter of the HR Happy Hour show and for having us out at the event. This show was a fantastic conversation with Alex Lovell from OC Tanner all about OC Tanner's recently released Global Culture 2020 report a deep dive into organizational culture, how organizations can be more intentional about shaping organizational culture, and with a bunch of actionable insights for HR and business leaders everywhere on how they can improve their organizational cultures. So thanks again to OC Tanner. OC Tanner is the global leader in engaging workplace cultures. They help thousands of top companies create peak moments that inspire people to achieve, appreciate, and connect to purpose and each other. From Boston to Bengaluru, clients use OC Tanner's Culture Cloud to retain, engage, and attract talent, bond teams, drive innovation, and communicate company values. With apps for recognition, service awards, well-being, leadership, and celebrations, Culture Cloud gives you a single modular suite of integrated tools for crafting a world-class workplace culture. Because when your apps work together, your people do too. Learn more at octanner.com. So yeah, again, great show. Snowbird, Utah, a great scene. This was recorded just before HR Tech. So I talk about HR Tech coming up. HR Tech's already happened, but uh, you're going to love this show. And please do take advantage of the great research and insights uh, from the folks at OC Tanner. With that said, let's get on with the show. You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. My name's Steve O. So great to be with you today. I am not joined by my co-host, Trish McFarland. Trish is on assignment, I think, on the road today, but we say hi to her and wish her well. I'm on the road, too. I am recording today's show live from the OC Tanner Influence Greatness 2019 event at the Snowbird Resort in Utah. I'm not sure the name of this town, actually. I just call it Snowbird. I think it's Snowbird. Is it just Snowbird? It's, All right. I think it's Snowbird. Snowbird, Utah. It's gorgeous up here. And... Uh, I'm so thrilled to uh, be here. I'm so uh, thankful for OC Tanner for all their help and support uh, as well. What a fantastic event. Man, I could go on and on about how remarkable some of the speakers have been, how some of the sessions have been. It's one of my favorite events of the year. Uh, Super highlights for me. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell spoke this morning, which was phenomenal. And uh, Annie Duke yesterday blew me away, too. Oh. I've, I was a fan of hers, like, watching her on TV play poker oh, yeah. years ago. So Annie Duke was awesome as well. So kudos to OC Tanner. You've heard another voice, uh, dear listeners. Let's just introduce our guests so you know who else is talking. Alex Lovell is a senior researcher at the OC Tanner Institute and one of the co-authors, lead researchers, whatever you want to call it, uh, <laughs> one of the main people responsible for what we want to talk about today, which is OC Tanner's 2020 Global Culture Report. Alex, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite, favorite things that I do every year. <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of a new, new-ish report. It's, it's in its second year. 
Uh, I was here at the Influence Greatness event last year where we talked with David Sturt from OC Tanner about the report and some of the key findings. And this year, I'm pleased to say the report's even richer, more interesting, and chock full of insights. But you don't need me to tell you that. We have Alex here, the expert, to tell us uh, a little bit about the survey and then and then some of the insights from the survey and how you're going to be able to apply them in your organization. So first off, Alex, maybe give us a little reset on the Global Culture Report, what it is, why you guys are doing this, and how it, came, how it comes together. Yeah. No, it's a great question because last year we decided that there wasn't any firm voice on culture. We see really great information on engagement out there, uh, but really the next step is in culture because culture, great cultures create highly engaged employees. And we wanted to create a voice for what culture is and some of the trends and some of what the best of the best are doing to bring that to life in their organizations. Yeah, Alex, uh, and it's a global survey, over 20,000 respondents, right? Yeah, so more than a survey too. So yeah. we did uh, hundreds of interviews with HR uh, stakeholders over the, across the world, as well as just organizational leaders from the C-suite on, and then a survey as well, 20,000 employees and leaders across the globe. Yeah, and um, one of the things that's really interesting uh, about the about the survey, and I'm looking uh, at Alex right now, and he's wearing a shirt that says, talk to me about culture by design. And why I like this so much is this idea that you're putting some data, some insight, and, and some real kind of meat behind culture, which to me and to many other folks has always felt a little amorphous. Yeah. Right? We, we you know, we kind of get it. We understand it. We even believe it's important. I've always believed it's important, but I've never really thought I knew a way to really understand it, to to try to measure it, and then maybe more importantly, to actually take meaningful steps to improve it, which I think ultimately is the point of, of this report and, and a lot of the things you guys are doing at OC Tanner. Alex, let's just get right to the chase, right? We can't talk about everything in the report, but <laughs> I'd love for you to maybe, let's highlight one or two or three uh, key findings or themes that were teased out of this year's report and, and why they're interesting and why they're important. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing is that this report builds on last report. Last report, we talked about what we call the talent magnet. So the six key essential aspects from the employee's perspective that if organizations can get right they're going to have great odds at creating a thriving culture that delivers for them. And those six net magnets briefly are purpose, opportunity, success, appreciation, well-being, and leadership. And in last year's report, we go over that uh, quite thoroughly. So I'm not going to bring it up anymore today. But a great framework for sort of understanding, hey, culture, okay, it's this big word. It's big amorphous These theme. six things you can, you can rationalize and understand. And I like to put things in buckets and yeah. categorize things. It helps you at least begin to approach culture design in a, in a framework, which in is why very, I think it was a great, great sort of first step. In a very intentional way. You're right. So many people look at culture and it's like, oh, how am I going to actually do that? And ping pong tables and foosball, that nonsense. Yeah, right? yeah let's yeah. just put perks and make people yeah. happy. Well, no, that it goes deeper than that. Culture, right. what you can usually see is the expression of culture. You can rarely see culture itself. And I so like that. that's what we really tried to, to tease out in a huge study there. Yeah. This year, we wanted to take on this notion of employee experience. And one of the key themes when I talk to a lot of leaders of organizations and HR stakeholders, they started approaching culture and employee experience from completely different lenses. They were told that they need to create a great culture that delivers. And then, oh, yeah, this employee experience thing, we need to have a great employee experience. And so HR looked to the employee life cycle. 
to really provide a guide on employee experience. And we're not saying that the employee life cycle is the wrong way to look at it. I would just argue that it gets us somewhere. It just doesn't get us too deeply in the actual employee experience. Yeah, and the life cycle approach was kind of the the lens I've pretty much thought about employee experience design myself, maybe because it's convenient and it's also because it tends to mirror how many HR and people organizations are organized, Mm -hmm. right? We have people who are doing recruiting. We have people who help with leadership development or learning and development. We have other people who are around um, compensation, things like that. All these things that happen as an employee uh, moves through the organization. We're organized that way. We may even have software solutions that help us, right, Right. facilitate those transaction processes Mm -hmm. that way too. So then it became easy, I think, for a lot of people, myself included, to put myself right in this bucket to think, okay, let's make onboarding just a little bit more fun or a little bit more interesting or a little more meaningful. Okay, we've done that. Now let's move on to performance management. Let's try to make that better, et cetera. But that's only going to get us so far. Well, and, you know, to be completely honest with you, I came from HR. And guess who (laughs) did this whole employee lifecycle thing, too? Because it is so convenient and it maps so well. But there's a couple of things that we forget. Okay. Uh, The first is that onboarding happens many times in the organization. It really actually does it, you know, the first time that you enter the organization, sure, that is onboarding. But when you get a new job, you're kind of onboarded there. When you change to a different team or a department, there is a whole set of new norms, processes, et cetera. Could I even throw in, like, maybe your your team gets a new leader? Yeah. I don't know if it's really onboarding, but that's a transition. It's a transition. That's impactful as well. Exactly. And then you go into these other kind of stages that, to me, feel a little bit sterile when you start breaking them down. Mm -hmm. And then we started looking at the customer uh, journey, the customer life cycle, and the work that was done there. And about five years ago, they realized, oh, we're kind of missing this human element of the interactions that customers are having with us, with our employees. And to really make an impact on the customer experience, we had to go there. Yeah, so you have to think about it more holistically. But here's the interesting thing, and I think one of the most valuable elements that I found from reading the report uh, in the last couple of days is you can anchor some of this or at least understand it better back to the talent magnets that we talked about. You guys sort of described in your one of the study. Exactly. So last year, we, we found those six essential elements. This year, when we looked at the employee experience, we know that if we create experiences in each one of those different elements, a connection to purpose for an employee, an experience that helps connect them there, a connection to opportunity, that helps really create this culture that is employee-driven, mm-hmm. but that's scalable. And you're not creating these individual micro experiences right. for every single employee because that doesn't that's going to be hard to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, so yeah, so we think about, we're thinking about the employee experience in, in, and we're bringing it closer to culture, right? We're bringing it, instead of having them being two separate things, just thought about differently, approached differently, managed differently, by kind of using that framework, we can kind of think about these things together and understand how they work together, mm-hmm. right, and, and impact each other, which I think is a really important step to get us out of those silos or those, those kind of transactional buckets that we, we sort of like to think about. Alex, there's a couple of other, look, we could talk forever about employee <laughs> experience. I, I, you know, we've got HR techs coming up another week, which or two weeks, which I've been working on for months. I feel like every other conversation I've had with, with a, a provider or, or a speaker has been about employee experience. So we're going to be killing this topic for a, for a long time. For a long time. There's another topic, which I love that you write about and study a lot, which is burnout. Like, and in, in you talked about it in the presentation I just watched. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about 
how did sort of this idea of employee burnout kind of bubble up a little bit? And why do you guys spend a lot of time discussing it in the reports this year? It's a great question. So it all originates uh, from a focus group that I was facilitating and hearing the, the true pain in an employee's voice of burnout, of this, you know, exhaustion, this mental exhaustion, this physical exhaustion, this feeling of futility, and this avoiding work. And and they weren't trying to avoid work because they were a bad employee. Right. They were trying to avoid it because it was having such a terrible effect on their personal life. And what was really interesting about that is it really drove home to me that burnout is an organizational phenomenon. In fact, the World Health Organization defines it as um, stress that's chronic, that's not successfully managed by the organization, but then it's brought home and it infects families. And then that infects communities. It creates this domino effect that we need to start looking at. Yeah. And so from there, that, that focus group happened last December. We started doing a significant amount of research into what causes burnout. And we were able to actually map these cultural preconditions to burnout. We were able to look at purpose and aspects of purpose and map them to the fact that it can perpetuate burnout. And every single element of culture has its own unique impact on burnout. Yeah, for, so leadership even, right? You, you've discovered that there's some like leadership influences that can yeah. increase burnout. What, like, what would be like just a typical example there that you found that? You don't trust your leader. Yeah. Okay. That, I mean, if you don't trust your leader, you don't have this meaningful connection of somebody that can help guide you, mentor you, and help you achieve. And so when you miss, when you miss that connection, just at its core, you're more likely to just burn out. Yeah. And, and I think it's important as well, and you mentioned this just a few minutes ago as well, it, it, this is not just, I've got too many things on my plate today. I've got too many assignments. Uh, I, I've got too, just overwork or, or too much work. It's not just workload, right? We're, we're talking about something... A little bit more fundamental. Yeah. In fact, when we looked at it, we asked all sorts of questions about workload and feeling overwhelmed from a workload perspective. If you had a thriving culture, employees made adjustments for all this work that needs to get done. And they're understanding that sometimes I'm going to have to work 50 hours this right. week. And, and they're going to be equipped to be able to do that because that stress is successfully managed by the organization. So it was much more about the culture and the culture that's perpetuating burnout than the work that's being done. Yeah, because if you've got, if, if you're working hard and you're being deliberate by design uh, about your culture, you can get past those pockets or those elements or those times when you're going to ask employees, hey, we're going to ask you to do a lot right here or for the next month or two. We might ask you to stay late, come in on Saturday, mm-hmm. give up a vacation day, et cetera, et cetera. If, if they're connected to the purpose, if they understand, if they're recognized for the achievements, right? If they're encouraged along the way, all these things that contribute to, to positive culture and, 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 and positive employee experience, then the workload by itself becomes less of an issue, right? Because I, I understand why I'm being asked to do yes, this. not just understanding, but they're more engaged in it. And yeah, after I, all, right, right. I, I feel like I will be appreciated for what I do. I know, I, I see how I'm contributing to what we do and how we serve our customers, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's this. I'm not trying to say this is easy. I've worked in many organizations, and I don't feel like maybe any of them really got all this right. But it's important to understand that hey, we're recognizing burnout as such a serious issue. And you gave a statistic, or it's in the report that. About 79% of, of people that you talked to or surveyed 
report either mild, moderate, or severe burnout. Mm -hmm. That's kind of everybody almost. That's 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 80% of all your researcher. (laughs) It's almost a lot of people. There's five people in this room, every four of us, right? (laughs) So so it's not insignificant, I guess is the point. It's not, I I think, I talked about this uh, on a show a little little while ago as well, and and some of the the comments I got were, were like, hey, you know, get over it, you know, and some of it was even like, you know, a little bit of millennial bashing probably came up too, but, yeah. you know, work is work, you know. Got to be stronger. Yeah, It's, you know, I think the first step for organizations is just to measure it and just see it, how pervasive it is. Yeah. It You could be the organization that it's, it's not right. a total problem for, but my guess with these numbers here is that there's going to be a lot of mild burnout, and we found that there are 40% of, of employees that we surveyed had medium to severe burnout which causes even more problems. So let's figure out where you are and then start addressing those cultural parts that are perpetuating that burnout. Yeah, so I, I love this uh, this topic a lot, and I, I'm glad that the World Health Organization made their decree. Because that, honestly, for nothing else, it, it put that in the news for yeah. a good week when pretty much every major outlet reported on it. So now you've got a ton of data and insight around it you know, from, from the report, which is great. I, I don't know anybody else who's really dug into it as deeply as you guys have that, that I'm aware of. I, I don't, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I know in the academic literature, it's been very common to study it in the context of healthcare organizations okay. with nursing burnout and physician burnout. But what was magical really about the World Health Organization saying it is that it's a problem for all. Yeah. And organizations need to start taking steps now to mitigate yeah, it. Yeah. I think that's the message really, which we're really trying to send here is recognize that it is real, it's a real thing. You've got to start thinking about how to measure it, and then you've got to think about how these other things we talked about earlier that that impact employee experiences that can drive these, these increases in burnout. Because it's not you don't just get burned out. You're just not sitting at your desk yeah. one day. Oh, I'm burned out. Yeah. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of influences and factors that are all at play and swirling around that person, which is driving this. And so uh, it's a I process. Think, yeah. Yeah. I I I love this part of the the report, and I love this conversation. So um, the, again. Huge report, tons of data in it. We, we can't talk about all of it, but this is uh, one of the standouts. And there's one other section I do want to hit on before we let you go back to work. They're working you pretty hard at this conference. They are working me pretty hard. I yeah. love it. It's so fun. <laughs> is uh, what, your findings and your thoughts around leadership and, and how leadership is changing slash needs to change. Yeah. Everybody has been kind of talking for a long time that leadership needs to change. I mean, when I when I follow industry stuff, I mean, this has been something for decades. We've been like, it needs yeah. to go. Yeah. And it doesn't go well, anywhere. In the keynote yesterday, I think David said leadership's been studied for 5,000 years or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. if you think about it, we're practicing a lot of similar things that we did back in medieval times. Right. We're concentrating power in a small amount of people that are making decisions on behalf of a large amount of people. And, and to some expect, you know, respect, that organizations work like that. Right. But what we're finding is finally some movement in, in leadership from this more kind of traditional approach to more of a modern approach, where in a traditional way, leaders that are like, they, they're just directing people, they're just focusing on pure evaluation of their employees, and, and they're just gatekeeping this territorialism right. that they're not allowed to do, you know, <laughs> they're not allowed you're not allowed to encroach on my yeah. territory. That's really You're damaging. not allowed to communicate with people yeah. outside our little team. Why are you every, talking to that team? Everything's got to come through me, right? First exactly. kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You know, and instead we're a modern leader is so much more than, than just a, a boss. There's somebody that truly cares about 
connecting their employees to those outside opportunities and to other people and mentoring. And, and we actually found that if you could get your employee, your employees describe your leader as a mentor or advocate, it was truly powerful. That those two words are like your key to unlocking it. If you, you can get that, you win. So I think uh, modern leadership is, is much more, uh, modern, <laughs> right? That's yeah, yeah. Uh, but by nature, yeah. It, it also helps support employees in a way that I think the future of work requires. The future of work is not going to be done by leaders. It's going to be done by teams. And the newest leaders are the ones that have the highest performing teams of people that care for one another, that have a strong sense of purpose and can achieve. Yeah, and we we just did a show, and and hopefully by the time you are listening to this show, that the show I'm going to reference has been posted as well. Um, well, I was at, a, at an ADP event, and okay. uh, we were talking about software a, a lot. Yeah, but one of the uh, interesting things they were talking about is they're rearchitecting a lot of what they're doing from an HR management software approach for this very reason to support team uh, team based work, flexible teams, and the ability for people to basically create their own teams. And kind of self-manage them. So, you know, it's a technical response to 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 a business challenge, but it also you're talking about the the leadership response, right, to this business challenge as well. So I'm I'm finding it pretty interesting that we're talking about it more. We're finally recognizing the fact that, hey, like this is a good, good example would be this event, right? Influence Greatness 19, right? It was put together by people from events or marketing and PR and product and yeah. research and who knows what else, right? Probably 17 departments in, 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 in the organization, right? But So who ran the team, right? Yeah, the new way of working right. is so cross-functional yeah. because that is how work has to be done. And successful organizations are ones that are setting their leaders up to know that they need to focus on that cross-collaboration yeah. and connection rather than just telling people what to do. So we're, we're, organizations are trying to transition or they're transitioning to this new style of leadership, this new leadership model. You put a slide up that said traditional leadership is dead, right? That, you just knocked <laughs> us all with that one, right? To just get us thinking, which is great. Big, I, yeah, I, yeah I, dramatic. I, yeah, <laughs> no, but that's, hey, that was great. Everybody stopped. Yeah, okay. But um, one of the interesting comments that came up in the session, and maybe we can talk about it for a couple of minutes, because yes. I thought it was interesting, was a couple of the folks kind of pushed back, not so much on the findings and the research and what your conclusions were or your recommendations, but they were like, hey, you know, I've, I got people all over the place. I got thousands of people. They have to do X, Y, and Z. Our leaders are measured by output or widgets or whatever it is they're measured by. How am I going to do this? How am I going to get leaders to think differently and lead differently? And it was an interesting conversation, I thought, and it's, a challenging one as well. It's a, it's a challenging one. It's, it's a hard one, right? Yeah. How do I actually do this? Because most organizations, I would probably wager, have a significant amount of leaders in that traditional yeah. leadership approach. There's a couple things, you know, it's a good question. A couple things come to mind. The first is that we should remember that leaders are employees too. Okay. As we think about the employee experience being really this amalgamation of many different micro experiencing experiences that are happening that can have a profound impact on how they view their work. Leaders are those employees too. Giving them experiences to see modern leadership at work, to see achievement outside of just telling people to go do something is going to be critical. Exposing them to just a new way of thinking is great. Most leaders nowadays, they're, they're promoted because they were really good at what they do. Yeah. Not necessarily that they're really great leaders. And I'd argue that most people can be a good leader. You just need to show them how to be, not just tell them, mm -hmm. but actually show them that. Yeah. And I think the 
biggest thing to do is just identify those great leaders, those inspiring leaders in your organization, and connect them to the people that, that need to see that, to see those results and that a different way of working can lead to even better outcomes. And you've got some tools or some advice or, or strategies, however we want to say it, to help along the way. And one of them you've talked about in the report quite a bit, and I think it's, and it's not a novel concept, but you guys have a, like a, a bit of a framework for it and an approach to it, which is the one-on-one or the one-to-one meeting. And, and just being more effective in, as a leader and in leadership by being more effective at these simple one-to-one meetings Maybe we can talk about that just a little before we wrap up, because everybody's done one-on-one meetings, but yes. you guys have thought about it, researched it, and have some really, really tangible recommendations for this process. You know, one-to-ones are funny because they're this built-in micro-experience that should be happening often, and, and probably are. They're just not happening well. They're so focused on project management or just tell me what, you, what you're what right. you doing that it's it's not focused on the employee. Right. In fact, we found that 33% of employees dread meeting with their leader. <laughs> That's one in three. And there's three of us yeah. in the room, meaning that one of us <laughs> dreads meeting with their leader. Just kidding. But, <laughs> but it's not me. I'm just saying for the record, Trish. It's not, not, me. not me either, okay. Gary. Um, <laughs> so when we think about that, that leaves considerable room for improvement. We found a couple things that are really interesting. The first is frequency. Just frequency does matter. Okay. And at a minimum, monthly is great, but it really should be bi-weekly or weekly. We didn't actually find any difference in weekly or bi-weekly, which okay. I think is good because some gonna, some leaders, it's going to be hard for them to do it weekly. Right. If you, 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 and that the, the woman who was talking about how hard this was going to be and with yeah. these thousands of leaders, if you came to her and said, you need to have weekly one-on-one weekly meetings one-to-ones. with all these people, right? That you yeah. get pushback for at sure. least monthly, but okay. really bi-weekly because it's those quick, common conversations that are more informal. We found some of the most meaningful one-to-ones with employees, where employees are like, "Yeah, we went and grabbed a cup of coffee and we talked about where I wanted to go and how we could both work together to kind of find some new projects and skills to help me get there." It doesn't have to always be employee focused, but what we found is that it needs to be co-created. Yeah, leaders and employees need to have input into the one-to-one, where it becomes an experience that the leader facilitates, but both are active contributors in. And that was a really interesting finding, I thought, because I would have intuitively guessed that if the leader always sets the agenda for the one-to-one meeting, that the employees won't find them very meaningful, valuable. They'll maybe dread them. That's intuitive. I might have thought if you just allow the employee to set the agenda, that might be the optimal, right? And maybe as a leader, not thinking through it or not knowing, I might think I'm doing right by my employees by just, okay, I'm a sounding board. Come on in for the weekly one-on-one and tell me and talk. I and that doesn't that. really work either. I did that with my team yeah. for a I, long I've time. I've probably done it too. I, I like to say I have an open door policy and, and, you know, I want you to feel comfortable coming in. What we found is that some structure is critical. It doesn't, it can't be overstructured. Right. It's really bad. But, you know, the leader should have goals for that one to one conversation too, not just the employee. And it should never be a project update. Yeah. It should be about those next steps, about po- possibly some recognition or some constructive feedback. In that, if you're new to one to ones or they haven't been great, well, constructive feedback might be a little bit scary, but employees crave it because they want to get better. 
or at least do better. Yeah. So I think if you can focus on any of those things in there and just do it often, you build a connection that's just so much stronger. Yeah. And I think what I like about this section of the, of the research and, and these recommendations is that they're not that complex, right? They're, they're, they're fairly simple to implement. You can pilot them in a larger organization if you felt that was going to be necessary for a period of time, right? And, and see what kind of impact that might have. You can, you can maybe rally some champions in your organization who might be a little bit more receptive to change and a little bit more open to changing some of their leadership styles or their approach to managing their teams, right? I think there's a lot of opportunity here because you're not asking people to go through like this huge process re-engineering effort or let's change everything about, you know, it, these are small things that, that people can start doing right away. We wanted to identify things that organizations were often doing yeah. and then could put some tweaks on to make them better. Because there's nothing more, you know, cause, <laughs> there's no better way to cause burnout in some yeah. cases by saying you need to change every single thing that you're doing and you need to stop doing everything. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty more in the report that we didn't really get a chance to talk about. There's more about the teams. There's more about listening. There's a whole section in the report about getting better as a leader, about listening and, and providing feedback. And so, look, I'm going to encourage everybody to check it out. But Alex... If there's one, just one, you know, I hate, I hate this question when I do panels, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do two right now. <laughs> Perfect. I feel like you're going to answer any question. But like, there's one big thing. You say, okay, this report's out. We spent a year doing it, right? It's the second iteration. If I'm sitting there at the end of the day, I say, wow, this was, this is the big thing to grab on uh, this year's culture report. Can I have just two? You can have two, of course. It is think from the employee's perspective, not from the organizational perspective and be intentional with the experiences that you're trying to create. Yeah. Don't let experiences just happen by accident. Don't let culture happen just by default. Be intentional, intentional about what you're trying to accomplish. Alex, I love it. Alex Lovell, senior researcher at the OC Tanner Institute, one of the geniuses behind <laughs> the OC Tanner Global Culture Report. How can folks get its free report? I'm imagining. It is free. It is I'll online. sign a copy for you, but I'd make okay. it okay. No, I'm kidding. No, no, I mean... How do folks get to get this report? So everybody should. Last year, we only had the PDF. This year, we built out a microsite. So you can go to octenor.com slash global dash culture dash report. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yep. yep. It's, uh, it's really easy to get to. There's buttons everywhere on the bu- on the website. To right, get so you can dig too. into the data, dig into some of the you findings. You can dig right? into the data. Go the right to the part that's is interesting there. to you. Yeah. So we wanted it to just be easily, easily accessible. Yeah, that's actually, that's unrelated to this specific report, but that's an important way, right, for any research institute now to make your data and your findings more accessible yeah. and reach more people, right? Rather I, than just, I mean, the book is great. I have a printed copy of it. This is a <laughs> giant report, which I love. I'm going to read it on the plane, the rest of it. It's great. Probably, but uh, yeah, to get it out there, get more people aware of it and, and give people tools to access it in easier ways. It's a great job you guys did. Yeah, I do. We do what we do because we want everybody to just thrive at work. Yeah. Awesome. That's a great way to wrap this up. Alex, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. On the HR Happy Hour show. Great event. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll say that to you and and the team. Need to go on vacation. Job well done. Yeah, you should. (laughs) Take some time off. But uh, okay, that's it for the HR Happy Hour show live from the OC Tanner Influence Greatness event. So many thanks to everybody here at OC Tanner. I've been treated so well. I'm shockingly, I don't know how, why people treat me well, but they do. But nobody does it better than these guys. It's a fantastic event every year. I encourage everyone to come, even if you're not an OC Tanner customer. Can you come if you're not an OC Tanner customer? You can. Can anybody come? You, you, you should come. Prospects. Oh, my God. The, 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 the speeches and, and the keynotes and the interaction is so great. Everybody should come to this event. I think so. <laughs> All right. I just made a pitch for the event, too. So, um, 
<laughs> I, I know my OC Tanner friend. <laughs> she jumped up because I was about to say something wrong. Hopefully that I didn't say something wrong. So <laughs> I know, no, like, oh no, <laughs> my life. Is so long. All right. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Steve Bose for Trish McFarland for our guest Alex Lovell. Thanks so much for listening. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. We will see you next time, and bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.